welcome to Aura All right. Talks. Hi everyone, Dambi here. Welcome back to another episode of Aura Talks. We are currently at episode six, and I'm delighted to have with me today B, our fellow Aura team member, and Julian, who is serving on the boards of AVI and AVI USA. It's also noteworthy to say that Julian formerly served as a member of Aura's International Advisory Council. So I'm excited to have such an active and integral member of the ABI community to further uh, explore the potentialities of the Aura currency for the community, and also to discuss the long-term goal of manifesting the global vision of the Aura and how perhaps ABI could be of assistance in that process. So thank you so much, Julian, for joining us today on Aura Talks. Could you please give our audience a brief introduction about yourself and elaborate also maybe on what type of role you played as a member of Oroville's International Advisory Council Board? Yes, I was fortunate out of uh, college, full of ideals about the future and interested in Buckminster Fuller and the World Future Society and looking for uh, manifestations of ideals to meet Robert Lawler, who was a pioneer in Oroville and actually was at Four Comers, the, the first settled community, and uh, someone who was uh, a polymath himself. He uh, was uh, very deep into his Hatha Yoga practice. He was a student of sacred geometry and uh, understood uh, a lot of uh, um, esoteric uh, teachings and was an artist and um, both uh, innovating in, in foam sculpture in the early days back with when Warhol was around in the village in the 60s uh, and his partner Deborah was a dancer uh, involved with Judson Memorial Theater. These are kind of, you know, avant-garde New York City uh, glory days of uh, artists and musicians and dancers, creative people who were pushing the boundaries and that made the transition from the beat generation of uh, poets and, and visionaries into um, the cultural counterculture of the 60s, which we celebrate in Woodstock and Berkeley. Yeah. And I really found in Bucky Fuller someone who was taking his appreciation of mathematics and uh, someone who's an original thinker and saying, look, we need to solve the world's problems as an engineer would, not as a politician would, not seeking for power, but seeking for the, the best for humanity that we could manage. And it was so astonishing to find that he had been in India for Sri centenary in 72 and was close to Dr. Karan Singh, who is chairman of the governing board for yeah. many terms. So I found that um, my burgeoning interest in, in Sri Aurobindo and Oroville uh, had that similar thing. Here were people who had very high ideals, but they were manifesting them. They were really trying to innovate and experiment, and Lawler especially was experimenting with uh, food and was growing algae in forecomers and looking to say, how can we simplify our diet? How can we bring vitamin A, which is very much lacking, into the local village um, uh, diet and, and to nourish 
uh, people and to simplify and uh, yet uh, create and explore new boundaries. Yeah. So that was really that, that adventure of consciousness that wow. uh, drew me. And, and I felt, you know, these are people who really are trying to experiment practically and getting their hands dirty. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I had like no idea. I honestly don't know the early days of, uh, of Orville. I'd really like to sit down with B once when I'm in Orville next and he can talk about all the pioneering that he did with his fellow Orville. You have to read his book. He has a great book. I, I have book. actually read his book. Yeah, but I have to hear it from the horse's mouth. You know, it's different to read it uh, uh, on text versus like hearing it from a person. I wanted to actually start this conversation by uh, addressing the question, what is ABI? If I'm being completely honest, um, despite the fact that I grew up in Oroville, I didn't really know what ABI was until I left the community, went to Berlin and was attending high school there. And I got to meet Georg, Muna and Isa, who are active uh, members of ABI Germany. So I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, as a clueless teenager, I was thinking, why would people who don't even live in Oroville as a community dedicate so much of their time and effort to like helping out this community? Because for me, it makes sense. If you're living in Oroville, of course, you want Oroville to be prosperous and collective. But why would people outside do that? Uh, do that? So I wanted to just ask um, you both, um, what is ABI? What are some like historical, relevant historical background of ABI? And what are its main ideals? I just would mention a couple of things. One is uh, John Ahzabahai, who was um, really in the first iteration of Orville International and was doing the fundraising and uh, project management and had an executive ability and I think uh, was uh, drawn in and encouraged uh, by mother who was looking to bring in people who had relevant management and fundraising skills. She was extremely practical. Yeah. And it, it's uh, a great uh, tragedy. Um, some of you um, know of Oro Culture, who just passed. That was her husband. And because he was a Baha'i and went back to Iran, he disappeared because the Baha'is were being uh, persecuted at the time. So there's really a kind of tragedy in that first um, incarnation of Oroville International. And then fortunately, uh, B knows and can uh, complement this story uh, in America, June Mayer uh, was in Frederick Spiegelberg's class with Michael Murphy hearing about Sri Aurobindo at Stanford. Michael Murphy being the founder of Esalen and someone who also served on the International Advisory Council and she took up this idea of making an Oroville Association in America that later became the branch of Oroville International. Wow. Interesting. Um, B, what were your um, like initial experiences with ABI? Um, uh, do you have a close relationship uh, with ABI USA? Like, as an Oroville yeah. living in the community, how, could you explain yeah. what, how the ABI liaisons and centers around the world interact and communicate with the community? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, Julian, Julian just gave you the background a bit, but yeah. what happened at one point, we had these associations, as he mentioned, June had her association in California, and then in France, there was an association and a few other places. So uh, then Carl Tame, a Dutch uh, lawyer, 
Yeah. He uh, was able to establish this Orville International as a legal body in Holland in the Hague. In the yeah. So at that point, at that point, I was happening to go to USA. This is 1983 we're talking about. So in 1983, what happened was we tried to get everybody on board to join this uh, uh, new Orville International uh, group. And uh, in in U.S., uh, there was some resistance. People wanted to keep their old Oroville Association. Uh, June Mayer was uh, very much for it, but they had a board, and we had the usual uh, debates and issues. But eventually, we we worked out all the details, and and uh, and then we had this incredible organization that uh, you know has served us since then and has stood uh, by Oroville during the crisis. You see, when we had the crisis in the 70s, when it looked uh, very uh, doubtful that Oroville could even survive, ABI stood up and went to the government, and the government uh, listened to them because this was an international. So Julian was part of a lot of that work, so he knows uh, those details. But it's a great story. ABI has been uh, such a support for Oroville. Yeah, I'm actually really glad that I got to get in touch with ABI. And I, I hear that ABI Germany is quite up there. They're like quite, uh, quite active. So it's really nice to meet them. And really, um, I, it was the first time in my life um, that I understood that um, tapping into or manifesting the vision doesn't necessarily require the physical presence in the community. It's more so like aligning yourself with the vision and wherever you may be in the world, you could like contribute and, and dedicate your efforts for that. Because of course, as a teenager, you just think of action like pro, being proactive in the physical context, right? You're like, I have to be there. I have to go plant trees. I have to go um, uh, learn how to farm or do whatnot in Oroville. But it was the first time like talking to a lot of ABI uh, Germany members that I learned, okay, wow, you can do a lot from abroad. And that's why also I felt so encouraged to take part in the Aura project, despite the fact that I'm not living there right now. I feel like I can do a lot um, from outside of Oroville too. So I wanted to talk right now about the current economic climate in Orville, right? So maybe identify some rooms for improvement. So as we all know on this chat, uh, the outbreak of COVID-19 has led to the biggest global still stand in modern history. And it's, um, I think what we're currently seeing is the crumbling of very well established economic systems. And it would be also false to say that Oroville is not is immune to that, like jolt, so to speak, right? Orville, we sometimes think of as a separate bubble from the rest of the world. That's not like, it, that's immune to the type of things. But this time, I think um, Oroville is going to be affected or economically affected because from what I can tell, Oroville's um, income does largely depend on the influx of tourists. And right now in this year and the coming years, that may be impacted. So what I've noticed is that there is a certain insecurity in the community of how it's going to financially sustain itself in the coming years. And I wanted to take a short moment to read an excerpt that the FAMC, so the Funds Assets Management Committee in Oroville released on 2nd of April. They said, it's a short excerpt, the COVID-19 crisis will have a big impact on Orville's financial situation and not only on units contributions. We also expect additional costs for healthcare and other emergencies. Currently, city service um, has a buffer to last around 2.6 months if we, if we keep our budgeted expenditure as it is today. Emergency resources need to be deployed to protect all affected Orvillians and communities. 
So this brings me to my next question. So Julian B, to what extent is Orville reliant on external funding to finance its day-to-day activities? I tried to follow the uh, details and I, I'm, I don't know how many people actually read each unit and what they're contributing every month, but I do follow this. Uh, partly because I uh, was given the initiative to open a shop um, a boutique in Woodstock and import from Oroville. So I got to see and meet over the years uh, uh, Paul and Laura, who did Maroma and understand their very important contribution, and um, uh, Bobby at Oramics and could also see with the passing of Prema Intano uh, that Oromode is now uh, a guest house. And that had been a significant, um, like Philor, a significant uh, clothing uh, manufacturer and exporter. And, and people who were working with uh, international uh, aid organizations and, and getting uh, products from Oroville out into the world and I, I, I love the fact that something like silk, which is light, it could be painted beautifully uh, with the uh, Tamil uh, workers uh, who would work with Andre's designs and create a beautiful scarf. So it's a value-added product taking advantage of the handicraft tradition and uh, really felt like um, Oroville should have those things as well as a computer, which was very important early, computer networking, the, the work that uh, Uli and, and so many others w- were doing, uh, uninterrupted power supply. So many things were done out of necessity, the, the ferro-cement work that's uh, being done at CSR. So all these different threads, and I always felt like the important thing is diversity. And I was really concerned when um, Maroma seemed to be kind of lopsided, and then all of a sudden a pizza place <laughs> is bringing in money. You know, this is like perfect uh, uh, kind of cosmic joke uh, that uh, pizza would, would be. But, of course, it's, it's the efficiency of the person who's, who's managing it. And then, uh, you know, I used to bring chocolate to India, and now Mason and Company – you know, was yeah. making extraordinary organic chocolate. So I really am so proud of Oroville in creating these uh, small industries and diversifying and um, feel that that's, that's terribly important for the health of any community. So, uh, but the um, need for people to have that extra income and to rent out houses uh, or uh, rooms in their houses uh, is creating a, a housing crisis. And it's the same Airbnb is affecting us in America. And this is the thing. Uh, it's a microcosm. Things that happen in Oroville are reflecting the larger trends. There are people of low income people who can't find rental uh, housing in my community because of Airbnb, because they get more income from people uh, driving up from the city and renting than they would uh, from a local person renting. And so these, these economic inequities uh, and the need to 
um, not rely on one thing because that we've seen with the virus, all the restaurants and all of the uh, tourist uh, related hotels, motels, service industries are suffering terribly. Yeah, exactly. So you need resilience. Yes. I mean, thank you for sharing your views, Julian. What are your thoughts be personally on, on this topic? So for me, it's interesting. I, whenever I envision an ideal society, especially in terms of how its economy should be structured, I believe that it should, be, um, if it should self-generate enough income to provide for the needs of like, community members, right? So I wanted to ask you, as Orville being a city in the making, it's always going to be a work in progress. How far do you think we have advanced in that regard? Well, obviously, we never advance far enough, fast enough, and, and especially in my impatient view. <laughs> but what I noticed in the COVID, the COVID brought some uh, very unexpected and uh, very, I think, welcome changes. Uh, one of the things that has really impressed me is that everybody now is into this permaculture gardens. We call them circle gardens, and people like uh, Krishna, Solitude, is on TV, is on YouTube, and they just did 17 gardens in Oroville around. Yeah. So people start to connect to local food. They start to connect to the real aim. One of the real aims of Oroville, of course, is to be a sustainable community. Yeah. But people were always divorced from that. And now this brought it home to them. And so they, they respond. And then we also see the, the science part of it, we, we come up now with uh, trees and plants and things that grow really well here, grow easily. So the recipes and the groups that meet to eat the wild landscape is, uh, is sort of exponentially increased just in the last couple of months. So that to me was a tremendous thing. And then also I didn't feel in the community any negativity about the COVID in terms of people feeling insecure or, oh, really? uh, you know, that, that you know, now we have no money or something like that. I didn't, I didn't sense that. I didn't meet people who were panicked or people who thought, oh, now it's going down. I didn't, I didn't experience that personally. Now, of course, in a place like Oroville, there must have been some people who freaked out. I don't know, but I didn't meet them. And, and I noticed also that the, the response to the community to organize the food situation was uh, spontaneous and volunteers came forward. And so places like the uh, Portus, uh, they functioned really well, you know, with the masks and everybody did all the protocols and uh, everybody flowed. Nobody, they went to the old people, you know, brought the food. Every, nobody uh, suffered, let's say. And yeah. uh, at home, I didn't feel any, any constraints at all. And uh, also the ice cream place here, the local ice cream, the that uh, has now moved into Porto, so now we yeah, have an ice cream freezer. So and and even uh, the Koreans now are are utilizing the uh, Morgan Cafe at night. So we just went tonight, had some Korean food. So there's these expanded things are happening. You know, other other restaurants are opening. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though it, we're in this condition. So, so I I would. Yes. 
Well, so that's really interesting to hear that the COVID-19, for me, I thought people were in a state of panic in Orville, but instead from what I'm hearing, people are starting to be more entrepreneurial even to understand not only entrepreneurial in terms of the commercial way, but also really getting back to the roots of like growing your own vegetables and being much more, um, how do you say, environmentally a sustainable community in terms of also focusing a bit more on the agriculture sector. So I'm really, really happy to hear that. Uh, one other thing I noticed because I've been working at uh, EcoService where we collect the trash and all that, people become much more conscious about recycling, mm-hmm. about sorting their waste and uh, utilizing resources uh, from that uh, immense uh, possibility that we have. So people have woken up to that. And so various communities have cleaned up their, uh, you know, their transfer areas. So uh, I see very positive things happening. Wow, that's really nice to hear, V. I really would like to know, um, getting back to what you say, Julian, about just the impact of, let's say, a, a, something like Airbnb, right? I just wonder, um, oftentimes, I really like talking a lot about economy, acquiring, I mean, inquiring a lot about Orville's e- economy last year. People made with this one remark oftentimes. They said, Orville relies too much on tourists. Right. So do you what what are your thoughts through on that? The fact that like, yes, you have mentioned some several like really successful units that have really been innovative and that have managed to come up with really amazing products. But do you think that there is a tendency in the community to rely too much on um, tourists? I, I always it's, it's almost like a mantra for me. Mm-hmm. Everything is there if we take the trouble to look for it. We yeah. had uh, a, a member of Oroville, Joan Tome, who uh, was involved with Biosphere, which was an eco experiment to see if people could live a certain amount of time in, in almost like a terrarium, you know, a closed environment. And there were a lot of difficulties, uh, partly because they didn't realize the interaction of concrete with the atmosphere over time. So, so there were some technical problems that they ran into. But the basic uh, premise of uh, crowd control and uh, channeling people, which have been dealt with by Disney World and Biosphere and any, uh, uh, the Louvre, um, the National Gallery of Art, what Oroville was not, I think, understanding is it should be a place where people from all over the world it's and especially within india and uh find out what's going on but until we had the visitor center and uh the wing of the matrimonial i i thought of it Uh, uh, suggest hide and uh, or <laughs> go out into the community and show up in someone's garden uh, as a tourist and you know kind of uh, impinge on their lives. So <clears throat> for me, it's it's not that Oroville relies too much on tourism, but how do you have uh, controls and uh, protection for the Orvillians not being inundated? Yeah. And also not have the roads or the dust or the, you know, the lorries, um, the trucks, for those of you who aren't Indian 
vocabulary oriented. <laughs> but they would take shortcuts through Oroville on these dirt roads and yeah. put a lot of dust in the air and be driving by the sports ground where the kids are playing. There are a lot of legitimate concerns yeah. about intrusions into Oroville and in terms of pedestrian traffic and the bike paths and, you know, sanctuaries within the community. And you don't want to be a gated community. You don't want to isolate yourself from the world, but you do want to protect the sanctity and what everyone likes to call the atmosphere yeah. um, of the community and still have exchange and still allow people to come in. So it's always this lovely dance of how do you find the right ecology of people visiting Oroville. And I feel Oroville actually airs <clears throat> on the side of so many people coming with goodwill. Yeah. So many people needing desperately something that is not this dystopian future that's portrayed in every movie about the future that comes out that's apocalyptic. The air is terrible. There are gangs. There are violence. This is not what nourishes people's hearts and souls. And it's certainly not the vision of an evolving humanity. Yeah. And it's very important for Oroville to get this right because, you know, one act of rudeness or one act of disconnect, when people are really coming on pilgrimage, you know, you, you, this is someone's aspiration, sometimes driving hours or coming halfway around the world. Yeah. How do we honor that? How do we nurture that? And fortunately, we have some lovely people who, one of whom, uh, you know, uh, Martin uh, Littlewood, uh, his wife is working at the visitor center. And I know, you know, she has that light that you want to meet visitors with. And yeah. that's, that's what I want Oroville to have is, is the Tibetans use the phrase skillful means. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with tourists um, and understand their potential Orovillians? Yeah, it's honestly such an important point that you're bringing up, Julian. For me, I also question how do we, how how do we remain as a community open to people to like you know because if you want to inspire uh, different ways of uh, being, different ways of sharing, um, you need to be open. If you're a gated community that's only exclusive for the residents, I mean, how are you going to spark any inspiration around the world? But at the same time, you have to find a good balance of not making an amusement park of Oracle, if that makes sense. That like people are just coming to just look at the superficial beauties of Orville, be it Machu Mandir or these really cool architectural buildings and say, wow, amazing, but without feeling any sort of deeper connection and understanding the true vision of Orville. So I think it's really interesting. Um, B, do you have any thoughts on this? Being Having like been a resident in Orville for many decades, like, well, how do you think we can strike this balance that like Julian was really um, highlighting before? Well, just, just as you said, and as he said, you see, it's a question of that skillful means to, to take this energy and give the best of Oroville to them. And at Matra Mandir, they've always struggled with that because so many people, you know, want to go and see the golden ball. And we have a pretty good system and we have a way to uh, people allow them to meditate in the chamber and we have give them a little talk about Oroville, so people can, and we have videos. So the visitor center uh, certainly can expand its facilities. It can uh, open up more. Uh, many things can be still be done, but we've 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 done uh, we've done a significant work so far, 
But as you say, we have to open to the world because Oroville belongs to humanity. Yeah. The, the whole mission of Oroville is the human unity. So if we send another message, uh, like Julian said, so many people have come to Oroville and uh, been rebuffed for one reason or another, and uh, that, that should not happen. Uh, so how do we ensure that somehow anybody who comes to Oroville is at least giving, given a fair shake on being able to view what's really happening here so yeah. more more exhibitions. And now they want to open up Bharat Nivas. We're making a path from the visitor center. The people who want more in-depth information can walk over to Bharat Nivas and there will be people there to explain the international zone, Bharat Nivas, House of India. Then they can walk over to Unity Pavilion, yeah. see the displays, and then to Savitri Bhavan, and then to African. Uh, oh, the yeah. African Pavilion you see is right in a circuit. Yeah. So with that little walk, and they're already doing it, some people are already doing it, but we're going to refine that. So that will give a more in-depth experience to people who want that. Yeah. And that will be available. But that sounds more like the, the, Yeah. That sounds well, there, like a really there, good step. There are, there are people doing that already. There are private people doing that. Yeah. People who have an association with Oroville. But we need uh, Oroville itself to do it uh, more. I agree. That's definitely the right step forward. I would love to know, um, B, do you feel, because uh, Julian also mentioned that people coming into Oroville shouldn't seem like an intrusion, right? Because that takes away from both sides the beautiful atmosphere of Oroville. So do you feel like as a resident, you feel like um, during the peak of, let's say, tourist season, you feel like there's a lot of intrusion, like you don't feel comfortable going out into the community because it's too hectic and there are people, too many people asking too many questions. So how do you, what is your personal perception of that situation? Well, that doesn't happen so much to me. Uh, I mean, people do come here because I live in the international zone and some people hear about my Trash Mahal house and they want to see it and everything. But yeah. usually those people, there are not that many and I can, I can handle that. Mm -hmm. But uh, if it's more organized at the visitor center, so people have always specific interests. People want to see the architecture or the art or something like that. So we do need more, and we did open this upcycling studio uh, little shop in Visitor Center where we had little workshops, and the thing has got a teeter-totter out in front. It's got a place in the back where people can make things out of waste. and So all those little steps are all important, and people come there, they can, they can experience a bit of Oroville. But yeah. of course, we can't have people going into the schools. The schools, you know, the people are having class. People want to see the education, but you, they would have to, that would have to be an organized tour. And I they agree. do do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree. Actually, I think if somebody, if somebody really wants, uh, they, can, they can find their way in. But, they, yeah. but it's not going to be handed to them, you know, like they walk in the door and they say, <laughs> I want to see this. And uh, it won't happen that way. But if they do yeah. their research and they send a few emails or make a few phone calls, almost anything can be organized. Yeah, I agree, B. 
I think um, there should be efforts from both the community as a whole, but also from the individual. So my rule of thumb, whenever I'm back in Oroville, I try to t- um, uh, meet every new person with a, like a really embracing attitude. So because I feel like when that's the way that I think we can really inspire others, right? Even though it might be annoying to have always the same questions asked. As, as a teenager, I really didn't put enough effort. Every time I met someone new, I was like, oh, go, go to the visitor center. Here's a brochure. I don't know, go to Oroville.org. <laughs> There are very passive answers, but now that I'm more of an adult and I, I feel much more closer to the community, especially through this Aura project, I feel like it is also within my own power to um, help people feel, whether even for a short period, feel integrated and feel like they're part of this beautiful atmosphere. So yeah. yeah. Um, well, the next, you're you're a, a great ambassador also. <laughs> exactly, youth ambassador. <laughs> Um, Julian, I really wanted to thank you for sending me interesting articles um, and also some podcast episode. I'll definitely give the one that you sent me today a listen. Um, thank you for that. I can definitely tell that you're quite well versed in the topic of alternative slash local currencies. So what are your personal views on that in, in terms of implementing something like that in, uh, in Oroville? Because obviously B has uh, had his attempts and we're going to give Aura a rebirth. So I just wanted to hear from you what your thoughts are on um, alternative currencies in the context of Oracle. Yeah, I, I feel very uh, blessed uh, because through my association with Oroville, I met uh, William Irwin Thompson, who was uh, a cultural historian, an author, someone who brought together extraordinary groups of forward thinkers and innovators for conferences. And he had met Mother, um, had her darshan in, um, uh, I think, in the late uh, 60s, uh, chronicled this in a book called Passages About Earth, visited Findhorn, visited Arcasanti, visited Zen Center, and had a conference in New York called Spiritual Communities for a Planetary Culture and was seeing these as the seeds of the new planetary culture. And he would have a conference and I would get to meet E.F. Schumacher, who wrote Small is Beautiful, and Gregory Bateson, the epistemologist whose daughter Nora is now carrying on his work, and uh, spiritual teachers like Brother David Steindlerast, um, who has an incredible um, work uh, uh, around, centered around gratitude, and, and also someone who was exploring the Catholic contemplative tradition and Zen. And among those people were economists, and uh, the most uh, interesting was Hazel Henderson. And Hazel was married to Carter Henderson, and Though she was not an economist by training, by association, she was hanging out with the best and brightest and seeing trends uh, in the economies and said, you know, we have this interest rate thing, you know, it's like having one uh, control to run the airplane and this is madness. And um, I also have uh, in our neighborhood um, in Great Barrington, Western Massachusetts, a few hours away, the E.F. Schumacher Society. Yeah. So having met Schumacher um, at Lindisfarne and uh, going to visit them in Great Barrington, 
where some of the Lindisfarne people uh, branched off after leaving New York. Some went to Crestone, to the Baca, where Cyril uh, lived and, and created Saba Tree House. And um, in Great Barrington uh, was Robert Swan, who was an architect, pacifist, innovator, and really the, the father of this whole land trust movement. And they were about to issue a currency called the Berkshires. And I was in the meetings when they were first presenting the designs for, those current, for that currency. There was a delicatessen that was giving a currency um, a, a year out saying, you give us $10 now and we'll give you $12 in goods uh, when we open. So they were self-financing. <clears throat> and then Paul Glover and Ithaca Hours was there. So many uh, people were, were drawing on uh, Robert Swan and Ralph Borsotti's uh, uh, thinking to implement, which they did very successfully in the Ithaca Hours. And of course, I remember going to Oroville and coming to a fair and they were issuing whoopies as the uh, <laughs> currency instead of rupees. <clears throat> so the whoopie, I know, was an, an early Oroville uh, currency. So I think anyone who is concerned with economics, social justice, um, hierarchies, caste system, um, uh, imperialism, cultural imperialism, um, <clears throat> this uh, access, and, and now America is going through a very deep dive into racism and how redlining, which was not loaning to black neighborhoods, yeah. Or not even now in making uh, these funds available during the COVID crisis, they're not getting out to people of color and small businesses. I just saw it on the news last night. So the same uh, limited thinking that does not recognize the equality of, of human beings, of our spiritual divine nature that transcends all the colors and labels and everything. This has to have practical implementation. For sure. And certainly uh, what was done uh, with Ithaca Hours, and ironically, in, in times of crisis, some of us uh, believe, because Larry Brilliant, who was involved with Seva and Dr. Venkataswamy and the Arvind Eye Hospital, uh, was key in helping to eliminate smallpox in India. He knows <clears throat> the dynamics of what an epidemic can be and, like others, says we're at the beginning of this. And everyone who thinks that by declaring that we're reopening that somehow we're going to solve the problem is going to end up the way Arizona is right now with its emergency rooms full and the crisis building. Yeah. And I, I really uh, think it's practical to explore for Oroville, even though, and I hope I have no apocalyptic vision. I want everything to be harmonious and progressive, but it's, it's like trust in God and tie your camel. And local currency is a way of keeping the community uh, wealth circulating within the community, you and B and anyone who's, who's looked at this understands this very well, and that it also allows um, 
what we have in the Native American tradition of the potlatch, that the, the, the most accomplished and successful person is the one who gives away the most. Mm. And, and with, when you are printing your own money, you can give some away. <laughs> and that's very much part of uh, the, the ideal. Right now, we have Steve Mnuchin and, and the Goldman Sachs people printing money and giving it to their friends. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be so much better if it was given to the people who really need it. Yeah. And this is the kind of elevation of consciousness that we're calling for. Uh, yeah. to, to not be greedy, to not be egocentric. These are fundamental to any spiritual path, to know ourselves and to have compassion for others, to have empathy for others, which unfortunately is totally lacking in the leadership in America, and that's why we are in decline. Yeah, that's why I'm hoping with the Aura project, we're going to be, uh, we're going to create a new form of money, reshape the perception of money um, in, in a much more caring and humanistic way where we really emphasize the value of a human, that each, each human for being alive and for breathing and for being a conscious being deserves help. Um, that there should not be any prerequisites or any um, factors out of their own control, be it like socio previous socioeconomic status, race, what uh, whatever that may be, transcend past all of that and just get to the same page. Like we're all human beings and we need to be there for each other and each human deserves help, right? So that's what I personally hope the Aura can remind um, like the Aura community and also hopefully if it's successful in Aura, the rest of the world. So I think it's like a step-by-step -step process. I would like to really ask both of you this question of, so the mother really did envision a moneyless society, right? Um, so I wonder how do you think we can actually move towards that? Because now what we're doing with this project is reshaping money or like creating new forms of money, which is obviously like a, it's like a, um, a step in the right direction. So what do you think? Do you think that that's actually a poss possibility to have a moneyless society? Well, I, I think <clears throat> you can start with um, uh, Bernard Lettier, the um, one of the architects of the euro, who um, said that he could design a currency specific to any particular problem. Yeah, that there there are ways to give value that helps steer society, and <clears throat> you could say ultimately that if we were so innovative and so. I would say divinely inspired. Um, you know, I, I think of so many of the great inventions came from dreams and uh, from uh, so many uh, musicians or poets, you know, they feel their channels for something. And so to the extent that Oroville and its spiritual aspiration can also be manifestors of innovation whether it's the water purification or some uh, innovation that, that Soprem does with the uh, mud brick, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that um, the spirulina uh, unit can, can give some bar with complete nutritional value. You know, that, that those innovations, as happen with the local area networking, can give uh, Oroville a, a financial boost 
and make funds available to the point where you can say, okay, you, you have uh, free electricity, you have uh, um, such a surplus that we don't need to be concerned about circulation of money in the traditional sense, except yeah. with the outside yeah. world. Um, but uh, Letier, who, who actually uh, looked at the um, ideals of Oroville and said, as far as I'm concerned, these are the best of any community on the planet. Mm-hmm. So here's someone who's, and I, I, I love the synchronicity, Mark Looks, who is also on the International Advisory Council, his mom lived next door to Leche. <laughs> there, there are all these lovely things. Robert Swan, who was doing this incredible work in, in uh, land trusts and alternate thinking in the Schumacher Society, uh, he's the uncle of Bill Leon's wife. Bill uh, being one of the past presidents of Oroville International USA. Yeah. So I really feel like we're all... <laughs> part of an extended family yeah. and, and uh, because I'm such a, a compulsive uh, networker, I, I, <laughs> I'm happy to see these threads that, you know, someone else will just say is tangential, but I feel it's part of the Leela. I, I love that this is all connected somehow, at least in my mind, <laughs> if, if nowhere else. Same for well, me. <laughs> uh, and, and that um, we should have these high ideals and not, to get away from consumer culture and, you know, all of these uh, memes and platitudes of uh, live simply so that others can simply live, you know, uh, to have voluntary simplicity, to have what you need and, and not, not be dominated by greed. I don't know what other yeah. bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Julian. What about you, B? What are your um, thoughts on like um, whether do you think that it's possible for uh, for that one day Orville can be a moneyless society? But in the way like Julian described, that it's not necessarily that we'll never have any connection or any interaction with money because we need Orville will only be a healthy community if it has a good influx and interaction with the outside communities. So not in the sense that it's an eradication of money altogether, but that to like what Julian was describing, right? That like to the extent that the integrity. Yeah. Yes. Julian got it. Julian usually gets it right. (laughs) So so what, what, what we, what we can say many things about these things. I mean, we all read all the books and, and Julian just gave us that link to Thomas Greco, again, who came to Orville in 2006 and explained yeah. it all. So I don't know why it didn't all happen in 2006 in Orville. And Margaret anyway, Kennedy. So many. <laughs> yeah, also. Margaret Kennedy, you had two, three of the world's leading experts coming to Oroville and recognizing an offering to Oroville. Wow, that's yeah. really wonderful, yeah. Well, no, Donby, Donby brought the leading experts in universal basic income here just last year. <laughs> And we had, uh, you know, we had the cream of the crop from around the world here in Oroville, and they gave uh, talks every night. So it's not that we lack uh, any of the information, and we also uh, have the the system to do it. And I was just at a meeting uh, yesterday with uh, our financial minister, who is called Otto. <laughs> so Otto, Otto, uh, we're going for a new step. We're going to take a step in this prosperity system. 
So already that's a little, that's going to be a break from what we have now. So these little steps are what we need to get to this uh, moneyless society. Because people somehow are very resistant at this level of their own security. So some of us who are a little older realize that we get taken care of no matter what happens, but other people are still not quite sure about that because of whatever their background. Yeah. And if anybody, you see, we have people who come from a deprived background. If you come from a, some kind of deprived background, it's always in your subconscious, you know, I have to look out for number one or, you know, because nobody else will. So we have to put a little aside and we have to do this. And, you know, so all of, all of those we have to face head on. Yes. And, uh, and definitely it's going to happen because it's in process. And if we don't uh, do it ourselves, it comes from, as Mother always said, crushing circumstances. (laughs) COVID is a crushing circumstance. Yes. So so especially our way of dealing with each other, because you see these the the money thing is only you know quite far out there in the exterior. We get to the interior attitudes, we get to our aspiration, we reconnect to the ideals of Orville, then these things flow naturally. It's, it just happens spontaneously. It's not something we have to impose or a new system we have to come up with. No, we have it. We have what we need. It's a question of doing. See, And, and I get a little uh, anxious sometimes if people don't want to do it. They want to talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it for 50 years. Okay, now's the time. Speaking of uh, like more action and less talking and actually the more walking, I really do think uh, the Aura platform is a uh, direction, is a right uh, step in the right direction because we are actually, technically, we have developers who are actually developing this platform, which I think is a huge accomplishment, right? So, um, Julian, I wanted to ask you, how did you get to hear about the Aura platform? Like, how did you initially hear of it? Yeah, I think um, because I'm um, interested when something comes up in uh, Facebook or there's a post or a reference or something, uh, I like to follow the thread. Yeah. And um, a lot of uh, like Krishna's garden, you know, things, they're like ripples that they go out and I'm on the um, intranet in Oroville, I, I look at the Oroville today, I look at news and notes, I'm, I'm living vicariously to some extent, <laughs> and um, we, we um, always want the torch passed on to the next generation. Yes. So because of my earlier interest yeah. to see... Uh, that you and uh, some of your friends and, you know, to have the technical support and, you know, to have B as the uh, um, sage of Santa Rosa. uh, (laughs) uh, Our dear mentor B. (laughs) Is, is, um, you know, good uh, and heartening. Yeah. Uh, Because we, we, like uh, Thomas Greco, um, having been there, and, and now you can see that a lot of this was presented and, and you can um, be amazed, as I always am, at the uh, immense opportunities that are offered to Oroville. Yeah. Time and 
I would love to know, um, Julian, I feel like you are uh, quite a fan of Aura Talks, so you're quite uh, well informed and up to date regarding the progress of the project. So do you have any questions regarding the Aura platform, any suggestions or concerns that you would like to share with the Aura team? Because I think it's really important. Yeah. I, I looked uh, to see what the state of the Ithaca hours uh, was because this was, you know, all through the 90s uh, being promoted as one of the great successes of a local currency in America. And we have other examples internationally and other uh, innovative communities and experiments in international living. But... Um, you could see that when Paul left Ithaca, he was like the evangelist. Mm-hmm. So uh, unfortunately, we're still uh, at a state of consciousness where people follow a leader and someone has to go around prodding and evangelizing and saying, look, 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 this is a good thing. Then you have the crushing circumstances where people are looking themselves. So this may be one of those uh, perfect storms of a threat and opportunity coming together to uh, uh, interest people and saying, what do we do uh, if uh, we have uh, uh, hyperinflation or, you know, whatever uh, depression, calamities, uh, economic um, hit, um, what is there left? So I think, I think it's very timely. and sharing of the um, mission and vision with others, you know, it it takes a village. It takes a village indeed. And I really agree with with the fact, what you also mentioned, that the zeitgeist of today is really going to carry this project forward because I don't think there's ever been a time in modern history where people really collectively question certain things, uh, question how can we um, create reformations in the economy to best share better with each other, to take care of each other better. And I think especially in a community like Orville, where we already have such, um, such high ideals, I think people, like you said, are much more willing to adopt something like the Aura platform, despite the fact that there is this aversion towards technology and Orville in general. But I think we're going to overcome that hurdle for once and for all. I'm a <laughs> so I but, think but, educate me, because is, is, it, is there only an app? There won't be yeah. actually currency. So let me let me let me um, um, break down the details of the Aura platform. So it will be completely operating on a virtual platform. So it'll be a native mobile app that you can download from the, on an Android device, so a Play Store, or uh, from an Apple device, the App Store. And you, by joining the network, this virtual network, you will get unconditional endowments of 10 Auras per day, which will give you an access to offerings from other community members who are also users on this platform. And one, one thing that you mentioned, which I was completely uh, in accordance with, was you can, the beauty of alternative or um, alternative or complementary mm-hmm. currencies in general is that you can give it attributes to encourage certain human behavior, right? So in this case, we specifically, like the Science Walden Center, introduced the depreciation. So the fact that you get these daily endowments, but it depreciates in value at a certain percentage, that the 10, endow- the 10 credit that you get today will be gone by the end of the month, right? And what that allows for or what that encourages is users to spend it in real time, real time spending, and also like take away from this idea of accumulating money to get something bigger, better, faster, right? Familiar. Yeah. 
Exactly. So what's interesting is for me, this is, do you, okay, so I had a really interesting conversation with my friend last night who is like the, uh, um, the front end developer for this project. And he said, you know what this Aura platform reminds me of is torrenting. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what torrenting is, but it's a peer-to-peer system wherein you download a file and while you're downloading a file, you're also uploading a file. And what that allows you to do is basically many people from different parts of the world are just helping each other to share a file and like to download. And, and so it's a peer-to-peer network, right? And also in a way, or a platform, and similarly, torrenting would not work without that two-directional exchange. And it's the same with the Aura platform. If you only receive, if you're only downloading, so to speak, there, there are not going to be opportunities for other people to also download. So you need to also offer, and in the case of tech, uh, technical term, you also have to upload. So I really think that is a key element to the Aura platform, that the success of the platform will be strictly dependent on how many people turn their good intentions into real actions, right? Mm-hmm. Because no matter how many resources or how much money we inject into this platform in terms of giving free stuff away, because that's what a lot of apps do, right? So they um, introduce, they release a new app onto the market and they, in, like, they give a lot of free goods to people to sign up. But I think that's not necessarily going to cut it with the Aura platform. So it's going to be very interesting to see to what extent. Oh, I think that my internet got a bit unstable. Sorry. Did, did I cut off? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, just for a minute. Just for a minute. Yeah. So I was just saying that it's um, the success of the platform is going to strictly depend on how many people turn their good intentions into real action. So no matter how much money we inject into this and no, many, no, many, no matter how many leaders we have to promote this app, in the community, it comes to the individual to really decide, okay, I believe that I want to be part of a community where other members will take care of my needs and I can also take care of other people's needs. And the way we facilitate those interactions is through a virtual currency that we have given the name Aura. So that's kind of the gist of the Aura platform. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, Julian, because you've obviously uh, read a lot about um, alternative currencies in general. What do you think would be a huge obstacle for the ubiquitous adoption of Aura in, in Oracle? Well, it's always uh, human nature is funny. You know, the carrot and the stick. Um, if uh, there was something uh, that was so desirable yeah. that only took Auras, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So you give you give the incentive, and then uh, the stick is that everything is collapsing around. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, people are so driven by convenience. Uh, it's why Amazon is this huge success because they make it easy yeah. and cheap, and it's yes. not driven by values that are concerned with the workers and the fact that the workers are getting sick from the virus. So we really need to, um, as uh, Venkataswamy saw with the Arvind Eye Hospital, where he wanted to maximize the number of cataract surgeries by adopting from McDonald's and from the production line. You know, how, how do we take innovations that have succeeded in a capitalist society and repurpose them towards goals that are humanitarian and egalitarian and spiritual yeah and uh try to make this higher synthesis where it's not one against the other but something that's transcendent and fulfilling to all of the parties 
And so uh, it's the another bumper sticker, you know, nothing <laughs> success. And uh, I I think that um, you know you can you can uh, go back to this um, uh, article that appeared years ago. Uh, why Shurabindo is cool, you know, it, it it his philosophy really is cool. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And and what what is cool about the aura and to uh you know get that out into the community and uh I I think um there there if there can be something between Pondicherry and Oroville and then you know the whole world needs what we're working on. So it really is in service to humanity, uh, whatever successes or experiments or failures and things that we learn from, you know, the important thing is to try. The important thing is, is not to be inert. Yeah. Uh, so I wish you every success and I'm delighted. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Julian. I really like the point that you made. Like you, I think you understand human incentives. Well, um, because you definitely need something that is going to make the like that the, a user can only get on the Aura platform, right? So that's when I redirect this question to be, what do you think that could potentially could be? Well, I, I just think the, uh, the frustrations and the uh, shortcomings that we experience in Oroville, I think the uh, the fact of how things are with the, you know, with the, what, what happened with COVID and just our own personal limitations and the situation, uh, because people are ready now finally for that change. When we started the aura in 2011, they weren't ready. They, they, uh, they had the financial system. It was so simple and so easy. You had a number, you could do whatever you want. Now yeah. things are more complex. Now we need it. And, uh, people recognize that need. And you've done such great work over the last two years. We've prepared the groundwork. Oh my God! Yes, we have. No. Yes, as best we could, and and it, it's the right time. You see these things, you know, the zeitgeist and all that stuff is is now. So it it, it uh, I think it's inevitable. It will happen, and and whatever happens is going to be good. But that's why I keep thinking, as, as Julian said, we 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 have to try. You yes. know, we, we have to try. We, we can't keep uh, talking about it. That's the thing. Yeah. That's and I think what's really also interesting, again, getting back to my conversation with my friend, uh, who really does come from a technical background. I've learned a lot uh, working with developers and programmers because they really see the world as an engineer. Uh, like also just getting back to what Julian was saying earlier, like if you want to solve problems as an engineer, you really look at the world in a specific way, right? And I told them, um, Andres, if this platform, if this app is a complete flop, do you think that I'm going to be devastated? Would you be devastated? Because you're also actually technically, you're being the digital architect for this. And he's like, to be honest, I never look at my projects with, uh, with that attitude because at the end of the day, all the different um, code that is used to build this app can be reused for a different um can be repurposed, so to speak. And that's the beautiful uh, beautiful thing about, um, how do you say, digital architecture. It's so much easier to repurpose than an actual physical architecture. So he said that um, that's how apps evolve in, 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 in general, because you have one app that came that didn't do too good, but you take certain elements from that app, and then you um, combine it with other elements from another app, and then comes and voila. So I think even though, because of course I've invested quite a lot of time into this project along with B, so there is um, 
that human tendency to want it to succeed, right? But at the same time, this also project has reminded me that you, there's also beauty and surrendering and just like seeing beauty and just the doing part without really um, getting fixated on one outcome. So also like that conversation with unrest yesterday really reminded me that. Because if this app doesn't do well, maybe in the next generation, the, like my kids perhaps might come up with an even better app that might change like the, the whole community and the whole world, right? So I'd rather see it in that light. So the well, last we have to take that uh, journey is the destination, you know. Exactly. Already the app has succeeded. Exactly, exactly. In my view, see? because yeah. where is that future? Where is that future? It's already succeeded in the now. It's how much it has done for us as yeah. a community already. And, and, and how much joy we've had in the process. I agree. And now, and Julian, I think, shares that. <laughs> I wanted to... Uh, the last uh, discussion, uh, point of discussion that I wanted to bring up was that Oracle, uh, the Aura it has a global vision. So, Julian, just to explain it a little bit to you. So, what, the, uh, what Professor Joe at the Science Walden Center envisioned for FSM, Fees Standard Money, with, of which like Aura is an offshoot of, he wanted to create different network access points, right? So create, um, so he managed to establish five points for the FSM network in Korea, so in different intentional communities. So a couple around Seoul, a couple around um, Ulsan, and one also in the island of Jeju. So what he wanted was to create a large global network where users can seamlessly migrate from and to these access points. So let's say me being a part of the FSM network in Korea could easily hop out to Oracle and just interact in the same way that I would with the FSM network in Korea, right? So it's a really beautiful vision. And I think B was also very, very inspired by this because this is, you really have to dream big and you really have to uh, be interconnected with other uh, communities around the world. But I wonder, do you think that, I also wanted to ask you this B, so let's say we really truly stick to that vision because Oroville is currently serving as the first international access point. Do you think that, let's say, at a point, if there are access points, a couple in Europe, a couple in South America, do you think that Orovillians would feel okay with other users like coming to Oroville, which is one of the access points, and just seamlessly um, interacting on the, on the platform? Or do you think that it's uh, smarter to have access points around the world that are standalone, that are not necessarily, that, that, that doesn't necessarily allow for seamless user mi uh, migration, but just more like, okay, you have these access points, you need to sign up again when you go to another access point. So what, I just wonder how that would work, because I've been really thinking, giving this a lot of thought. So, well, I would, go, I would go for the seamless. Okay. <laughs> the seamless is always uh, because you see, if, if people are you know are are somehow caught up in the Orville vision, yeah, they they will they will not exclude these people. You yes. See, uh, everybody. I mean, because many people don't even know about Oroville, but if they have the Oroville consciousness, which we talk about, many people have that and never heard of Oroville. So, yes. because Oroville is about a, something that is natural and true. So, everybody basically should have this, 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 uh, this some sort of uh, inner being that connects, some sort yeah. of psychic being, whatever you want to say, some sort of interior connection. Yes. So, uh, why create more obstacles for anybody? We make yeah. it as easy as possible. So, I, I'm certainly, and I think technologically, the seamless thing can work. 
Oh, it's very doable. And, and, and there, there, are, there are other examples like Sergio Lube's Living Directory. It's worldwide. Yeah. It's worldwide. And people can seamlessly from anywhere in the world get the profile of the person, get their passions, connect with them. Yeah. That thing's existed for 30 years. So yeah. these things are there. And, uh, and this, this Aura platform should uh, take its place among these things. I'm on yeah. the same. Yeah. So Julie, it's go ahead. Because uh, uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard was doing the internet before the internet, and Sergio Lube was doing Facebook before Facebook. It, it's not that these things are new. Yeah. It, it's just uh, it's a strange uh, confluence I, that makes one thing right timing. Um, I think uh, we have with uh, the Global Eco Village Network, uh, Jen. Um, an audience, because you had asked whether ADI might be a, a, a collaborator in this, yeah. and and certainly uh, they should be introduced to this. And and at the um, next gathering, that, depending on how all this uh, travel uh, thing goes, uh, but maybe there could be a nice um, presentation um, on, online to have a, a Zoom with the ADI. But I, I think Jen is an obvious uh, vehicle, and Marty, and um, you, you've had uh, Dan Greenberg um, involved uh, very heavily with them, and so that might be uh, um, an interesting place to talk about the seamlessness. I know in the co-op movement that if you were a member of a co-op, uh, you could go to another co-op and show your membership card and get the same discount. Yeah. So there, there are things to do that would be uh, seamless. And then also the things that you have to do because there are uh, pirates and scoundrels and, and people who gain the system. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it happens, uh, unfortunately, uh, all the time, especially uh, there are the false flags and strange people on the internet so yeah. you have to protect against uh, that with the security yes i mean i agree i think also um in terms of the collaboration potential collaboration with abi i'm really hoping that uh, in the next um, abi meeting i or b or i could um just present about the aura platform because i really do believe that there's a lot of potential for this to go global and if Oroville does really serve as a first successful case story, even more reason and incentive for other communities to be inspired by it, by using, to incorporate technological solution into their like community life, but not in a way that AI is taking over the world and we're not, you know, <laughs> but not in that way. Technology is just a tool like anything. If you use it consciously, it could really improve um, our quality of life. And that's how I've come to see it. So I really, I, um, I hope that we can do that with ABI. That'd be really great. Because America... Yeah, I just want to yeah. uh, explain, uh, because I served uh, as uh, president of Oroville International and then on the International Advisory Council, um, I went through a kind of long cycle and am now focused on our work here in America yes. at Matagiri, which is uh, 50 acres, uh, 100 miles north of uh, New York City. And it's a beautiful place. And we created this uh, eco building that we're calling Oroville House. Oh, wow, uh, nice. And I'm still serving on the Oroville International USA board, yeah. but I'm, I don't have a position with Oroville International. And uh, Mary Alexander, uh, it, our treasurer, has been our main liaison recently, and also uh, Brian Walton. 
So yeah. I'm, I'm, um, I've cycled off the AVI board, but of course <laughs> still have a lot of people who I love and respect who are involved with it. Yes. So I'm sure like when the time comes, I think, like you said, you talked about how serendipitously people are always all somehow related, right? So that, that I'm sure this will happen also with ABI without even any effort. I, I believe that convergence will come about in a natural way. I wanted to ask Julian like a very um, interesting question. So within like the internal team, we've been having discussions regarding how to introduce this platform in terms of, okay, so the question that we've been getting from the developers and also the, um, the UX UI designers is, okay, what is, who's the target audience for this app, right? And I think a lot of us agree that it is for the community. It's a community-based app focused on new newcomers or civilians, long-term volunteers, and people also who might not necessarily have, um, how do you say, a certain status or a formal status in Orbital, but that have been a part of the community for a long time. So I just wanted to ask you, what do you think, because there's this debate going on right now in the team. Okay, do you make it that anyone can sign up, right? Or do you put, a, do you target it a bit, right? Just the same debate as for UBI. Do you give really unconditional UBI or do you like target UBI and then start from these small pilots and then build on top of that? So I really wanted to hear your opinion on this. Yeah, that's, it's a good question. I think uh, Bob Swan was asking a similar question when people were asking about establishing land trusts, um, can anybody uh, join? Well, what if they uh, want to spray Roundup mm -hmm. in their garden? Yeah. Wait a second. The, the, we, we agree that land trusts are great, but the use of uh, pesticides mm. uh, that could have consequences are not. So there's like the, we have the Oroville Charter, and uh, in in working out the uh, invitation to join the land trust, there was like a <clears throat> excuse me a charter or principles that you subscribe to, and I I think uh, you know this is that we've tried to make a universal declaration of human rights. You know that's kind of the macro. So yeah. I would yeah. say what's the micro? Uh, version of that for yeah. people who would want to join because you're doing it uh, based on certain principles and you want people of goodwill to come to Oroville. And, you know, we have people who started off with goodwill and then end up being very cranky. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, th this is human nature. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, I think if, if we're serious about any project, we have to maximize its success yes. and be protective of it. And, yeah. and there, there are standards uh, to join the ashram and Oroville, and I think there should be standards to participate. And, yeah. and that if people sign on, then, you know, it's, it's like um, uh, Oroville is a concept that the whole planet needs. Yes. But it's based on human unity. And if, if you are uh, working against human unity, then <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> better luck next lifetime. <laughs> 
I agree. You know, what was like an interesting point that came up in our team meeting yesterday is, um, so the FSM network, the, um, the Korean version of the Aura, they made it an open door policy in the sense that anyone could like download the app and have access to it. And you would think that's the best way to go, right? Like that's the whole like, principle on which UBI, you know, um, universal basic income is built on. But unfortunately, what we saw was this tendency that people like received, took a lot from the platform, all these free goods that were being put up to like, you know, encourage people to join the platform without actually like offering in return. So again, getting back to this whole analogy of peer-to-peer system that we have in torrenting, it didn't work. I mean, torrent, like the whole quarantine wouldn't work if people didn't also upload and download at the same time, right? So I think that's why we are having this conversation as a team right now. Okay, of course, nobody's going to argue that we want to have an open door policy, hopefully one day. But my personal view is that we need to go like step by step. Like it's just like we need to create a good foundational nucleus before like expanding further. So that's my personal opinion. Yeah. How about you, B? Do you have any comments that you'd like to share on this? No, I I think uh, what both of you said is absolutely right because uh, you just can't throw the door open because as you said, as Julian said, the pirates are there, you know, and uh, (laughs) unfortunate. Yeah. But uh, but I think we, it doesn't mean then we're elitist or exclusive or anything no. like that, which some people are saying. Yeah, uh, that's that's to take it to the other extreme. We're we're just uh, uh, we're just doing what we have to do. You you have to do this. You can't let the baby run down the street, you know, uh, <laughs> and get run over. Yes, yeah, good analogy. So we take care of the baby. We take care of the baby. We take care of the baby. Exactly. We, hold we, have the hand. To, we have to guard the baby. We have to guard the baby. And when the baby gets big, the baby will be very strong. I agree. Uh, I want to just uh, conclude our fruitful conversation today by asking one question. So... My mother is a, is a great mother because she gives, uh, she gives me so much guidance, you know. It's, uh, I see that, like, all, when I was growing up in the community, so, I mean, okay, so keep in mind my mom is from Korea, so she's definitely a bit more, um, she gives a lot more guidance than, let's say, like, a, a mom from the Western Hemisphere. Anyway, so when I was growing up, I would think to myself, Oh my God, my, like my friends have so much freedom. They can come home whenever they want. They can move out at the age of 14 and live in a treehouse. No, no, not with my mom. So she gave a lot of guidance, right? But now that like in retrospect, I realize how much I've grown through her guidance because it's easy to be a parent who says, oh, go off, do whatever you want. But she gave me a lot of good advice and, and guidance. And also similarly for this project, she gave me, um, she asked me this question. So she said, Danby, when you're working on something this, um, this aspirational and this idealistic, you need to ask yourself first and foremost before any action, like what type of world do you want to create? What type of a world do you want to uh, be a part of? Because if you don't, without that vision, you have no direction. You don't have that northern light to see where north is, right? So I want to ask both uh, that question to both of you because before you effectuate any change, you have to really envision the type of world that you want to live in. So how about you, you, you start off, Julian? I have to ask B to start off. Okay, start at B. That's easy because uh, we've been given so much guidance, you know, about yeah. Oroville. And so, so for me, you know, we have the charter, we have the dream, and we have to be a true Orvillian. It's all spelled out there. Of course, it's spelled out in general terms, but to me, it's, it's so clear. 
Um, you know, I mean, the mother said to live in Oroville, you have to be a willing servitor of the divine consciousness. Okay, what's yeah. that mean? You know, I have to, I have to respond to the highest uh, light that I can reach. And that's the guiding, uh, that's the northern star or the guiding light. Or, and uh, they gave us the sunlit path. Mother and Shirobindo gave us a sunlit path where yeah. we believe that the divine grace is actually uh, tweaking every little move you think you're making. Yeah. And uh, we think we're doing, but we're actually channels. And just to go with that channel flow, you know, align with the divine. If we, it, it's just a matter of um, inner work. Yes. And, and it and then it becomes spontaneous. So I, I uh, you know, it, it's a very, uh, for me, I, I just, I, I'm so happy that I, you know, had the Oroville experience to uh, nurture me in all this and, and to, to let that, that, uh, that grow and let that grow and, and let that happen. And, and it, that's a great thing about getting older, Donby. I can tell you, you know, the older you get, the more you see how it was all arranged so nicely yeah. for your great benefit. And uh, so, yeah, the guiding light is always there. I agree. I, that's, uh, that's, I think, one of the uh, things that I'm most grateful to Orville for, um, just having that. I mean, I don't want to put anyone down, but I see even in my own generation, if you grew up in a very urban culture, in an urban context, you don't necessarily get taught that you need to have a certain guiding light. You know, you, your guiding light becomes um, getting the right job, getting right, um, climbing up the social um, ladder. And for me, because I grew up in Orville, whether I was um, consciously aware of this or not, but growing up in that kind of context, I think I was naturally more primed to want a life where I could contribute to the community. Because isn't that the highest form of life to really contribute to the world that you're part of and like with your own capacity and with your own talent? So I'm really grateful for that. So, Julian, are you, are you ready to share your views? Yeah, I, I knew B would give a, a better answer, and uh, I had to let my, my puppy out. Uh, <laughs> she's, she, she's very enthusiastic and saw someone she loved, and I knew she wouldn't keep quiet inside. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I live in Woodstock, so we, we're still uh, back in this uh, peace, love, and music uh, thing of the 60s, and... I'm, I'm so grateful to have those ideals that extend to the political and social justice. And, you know, uh, Sri Aurobindo was a revolutionary and Mother was a painter. You know, the, the, these are not people isolated from uh, art and politics, but they saw the highest thing was this self-knowledge and that that's, uh, what we call the psychic, this soul spark has to lead. And the more that we can do to nurture and be in touch with that and understand that it, it is a bit chaotic. It's not an organized religion. We're not selling soap. It's such a relief <laughs> that we're not selling soap. And, and hopefully, if we're open and paying attention, the people who are called will help us take the next step and, and we ourselves will have the trust that that's the truest truth, that there is that guidance that will um, come at the right time. I agree. 
Thank you, both. Thank you, um, Julian. Thank you, B, for this wonderful conversation. I think I honestly enjoy Aura Talks, not for just my further learning, but I always feel like there is a reaffirmation of my own values, and I get re-inspired each time I have conversations with you and with new people about why I'm doing this. And thank you for that. I really appreciated this conversation so much. Thank well, you. I appreciate your enthusiasm and also what you do for you inspire me. I mean, I know this oh, whole nice world already. now. I know this whole world. Thank you, B. You inspire me constantly. Thank you so much, Julian, for being here. And please stay tuned for uh, the next uh, the upcoming episode on Aura Talks. And if you ever have any questions uh, about the Aura platform or you just want to check in to better live vicariously through, <laughs> through us, then uh, reach out to us anytime. Okay, great. Thank you, right. Randy. Thank you guys so much. And we always just conclude each episode by saying ciao for now. So we'll say ciao for now in three. Three, two, one. Ciao for now. Oh, ciao for now. Aura, the value we create together. together.